Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hello everybody, this is Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man, and it's the podcast where we talk about Spider-Man, specifically the original Spider-Man comic books done by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. These are the first comics in the 60s that created the character. Uh, I'm one of your two co-hosts, my name is Will Hines. I'm that co-host's brother, and the other co-host... Kevin Himes. <laughs> we keep finding more inefficient ways to introduce ourselves. That's right. Got to get all the information out that we're co-hosts and brothers, and it took us four sentences to explain it's like, that. It's like we translated it into German and then back into English or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, we used some Google bots to try to write that. We used predictive text. And so There's a lot of work out. that goes into this podcast that people don't appreciate. There's a lot of Google translating and predictive texting. Yeah, one of us is not a real person, so a lot of this yeah. has to be pre-written, and then we have yeah. to sort of respond to it. And it's gotten so confusing, we don't know which one of us is real. I know, I don't remember either. Maybe neither track. of us is real, and one, it's like uh, its like uh, the movie Moon, spoiler alert. Oh, great. Man. Ruined, you just ruined Moon for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's been out a while, I guess. Uh, it's on Netflix, you should watch it. Uh, yeah, starring Sam good. Rockwell of the, yeah. uh, uh, Justin Hammer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, a very cool sci-fi film, Moon. Yeah, I just watched it maybe like a month ago. Man, I saw it when it came out. You're a nerd. <laughs> Aren't you the nerd? I don't know. I don't In know. In that scenario? <laughs> I don't know. Look, as a as a artificial creation, I can't think on my feet. All right. All right. So, so that's that I'm the real person. Okay. You know what? I don't care. I don't mind being made up. Um, re, uh, listeners, this this episode, I've, I I always wait too Again, long to say. Screw it. it, screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider Man as the podcast where we discuss artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're doing issue number twenty of Spider Man today. We're doing Amazing Spider Man issue twenty, where he battles the Scorpion. Yeah, this is uh the first issue cover dated January nineteen sixty five. So this is the first nineteen sixty five cover date issue. Yeah, we are officially in the mid sixties. Yeah, things you know things are changing. Yeah, man. Um. Senators, congressmen, please heed the call. That's a I mean, quote. Not, not for Stanley. Nothing's changing for that guy yet. He's no, still he's he's years away from even adjusting his politics at all. Um, um, the first thing we usually do is we talk about the cover, sort of as a teaser for what's to come. Okay, let's do it. Uh, I think this cover's pretty good. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think for me, a lot of times the cover quality is just like, is there a background? <laughs> yeah, um, I know you were saying that. For me, it's like, is the image just a nice, simple, strong image as opposed to sort of a weird collage or something like that? And yeah. this is a really bold and simple image. The scorpion's holding Spider-Man over his head and about to throw him off a building. Um, it's it's good. It's good. It's a good, solid cover. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's not a, a, an amazing issue, and the cover doesn't make it seem like it's going to be. It just it makes it seem like, yep, another issue of Spider-Man, him fighting another animal villain. Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty accurate depiction of what we're going to see inside in terms of quality and content. <laughs> the, the cover says, how can Spidey battle a foe who's stronger than he is? Is this the strongest villain he's fought, not counting the Hulk? Uh, you know, it's one of those things where Stan Lee ha has a deliberately short memory when it comes to saying why this villain is stronger than the others. Because if Sandman turns into a big anvil, isn't he really strong? And isn't yes. Dr. Octopus's arms very, very strong? Yeah. Um, um, but this might just be the guy with the pure punching power who's had the most, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he seems he definitely is sold like that in this issue. And the cover is plugging him as a, the first foe who's actually stronger than Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely like the rhino is stronger, but he hasn't come around yet. Yeah. Might be this might be the strongest guy. Good for the scorpion. He needs something. Yeah, man. Good for you. 
Um, okay, so that's the cover. Now, Kevin, what do we do next? Uh, we talk about any Spider-Man and or podcast news, of which I think there might be none. Uh, we were told to start referring to um, iTunes podcasts as Apple podcasts. Right, which I think most podcasts have been doing for a long time, and I'm just... We're a little behind. I'm, I'm on a, it. officially a dad, uh, and I think I have got like dad brain where I just I don't update my references fast enough anymore. Yeah, that just comes with the territory. Yeah, you still call podcasts radio shows. Yeah, yeah, I love this little radio show. This is all, yeah. uh, uh, going out to all our listeners. <laughs> broadcast on the AM band. Is dad brain a thing? Like just because you have more know. demands on your time and attention that you can no longer learn stuff? I, I probably a little bit. I mean, I definitely watch way less TV and like I'm slower at answering emails. So I bet like I'm, I'm consuming less media in general. Yeah. Um, I think some of that is just being 43. Right. More than you just yeah. you're aging out of yeah. being up to date. on pop I'm working with these 14 year olds, um, uh, this improv group that's they're all 14. And, uh, okay. and I've worked with like 18 and 19 year olds and I'm like, oh yeah, they're just like a little younger, a lot younger than me, but it doesn't seem that different. And 14, I'm just like, oh yeah, the things they're interested in, I don't understand. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, like their favorite things are Instagram celebrities. And huh. I've never heard of any of these. It's not like I've heard of them and not checked them out. I've heard yeah. they exist that Instagram celebrities are a thing, but like the ones they mentioned, I'm like, I don't know who these people are. Oh, wow. Um, they used, to, they referenced something. Oh, I can't even remember. They said some phrase and I didn't know what it meant. And it was like some slang that I didn't know. And that was shocking to me to hear like a slang that I didn't get. Yeah. Not just a slang that you had heard, but you don't use. Just one where you'd never even heard it. Before. Never heard it. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. Uh, they were like, Mars, Jupiter to the pizza. And you were like, what are you talking about? It was like, click L in the chat or something like that. It was something. <laughs> give him an L in the chat. And it was like their way of being like, give him props, I think. I don't even know. It. Uh, it may be a local thing, like, but I don't. I didn't I mean, understand it, and I and I, I don't like that it existed. As a middle aged comic book fan, I'm going to say that reminds me of when I read The Dark Knight yeah. <laughs> Returns for the first time, and like you meet all the teenagers of that world, and they're speaking some weird slang that Frank Miller made up. Yeah, and it was like a little bit hard to decipher. Yeah, what's the word they always use in Dark Knight Returns? Uh, they say aces a lot. That's, yeah, and then. Um, that's not it though. I know the one you're thinking of, and I can't. Come I remember up with them like talking it's about like it in the alley. So and so got so and so got blank. Bill, Billy is another one. Yeah, they Billy say. is definitely one. Anyway, but that's the, I also that's not the one you're thinking of. I can't remember. Um. Yeah. Anyway, slang. I guess slice slice and dice. They say a lot. Um, anyway, I, I'm I'm closer to translating the teenagers of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns than I am the teenagers in your improv group. The Dark Knight Returns Urban Dictionary. Let's see what we got here. Oh, you found uh, one online? Yeah, yeah. This is a whole page. Slicer, dicer, spud, stick. Uh, spud. I think I was trying to think of spud. spud. Yeah. Uh, Billy. It might, it might just be Billy. There's chegs, aces, don't shiv, aces, dusted, yeah. figure. They say figure a lot. A 7-Eleven. Yeah. I think that's the 7-Eleven. Uh, slicer, dicer. That's all they list. Hey, I remembered almost all of them. You remembered a lot of them, yeah. Uh, I love that that page exists. Good good job, internet. Good job, internet. Uh uh, anyway, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Marvel Universe or the Spider-Man stories now. But uh, uh, this isn't actually current news, but I want to tell you a little bit about Mark Gargan, who is the Scorpion in this issue. Uh, yes. Do you know what hap what's happened to him at all since I, I don't. these issues? For a while, he was Venom. Oh, really? He had the Venom symbiote, uh, and he joined Thunderbolts as a when Thunderbolts is purely a villainous group. Um 
Thunderbolts is a group that was originally formed by villains, but then became like villains trying to redeem themselves and then has become villains and villains trying to redeem themselves sort of alternating throughout time. Uh, and he was in a purely villainous group led by Norman Osborn, where he was had the Venom symbiote as sort of the Spider-Man analog of the team. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have it anymore. I think he's back to just being Scorpion again. Well, given that, given the story we see in this issue, it makes sense to me that he'd be willing to have an alien symbiote attach itself to him. Yeah, this guy's up for anything. We'll talk about he's that. He's up when for whatever makes him stronger. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love it. Um, yeah, I think uh, we could get into it. Any any overall thoughts on this issue? Well, well, um, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. We're heading into a phase of Ditko comics where he's treading water a little bit. Like we just came off this great three issue story and we know that issue 31 is going to, you know, down the road is a great three issue story, like one of the greatest of all time. And so up until then, it's a little bit just like strong guy of the month. And for my, I've only read these upcoming issues like maybe once or twice. Everything up until now, I've read dozens and dozens of times. Well, this is, but this going is the forward, last issue in the digests. Yes, when Kevin and I were kids, we had these digests that collected the original Spider-Man issues, but it only went up to issue 20, which this issue is. So I, I had read this issue many times that we're about to read. Going forward, though, I, you know, in my late teens, I got a hold of maybe even in my 20s when the essentials came out. And so I don't, I've only read the Amazing Spider-Man issues in the 20s that we're about to start. I only read them like once. And I just remember them being like, okay, not bad but just a little bit treading water. And so of the treading water issues, I think this one is kind of a little bit better because there's sort of a very dark premise that's kind of that's, sad. Uh, uh, I, I was maybe a little more down on it than you, um, but I don't remember the, the issues that followed that well. Uh, um, I've definitely read them more than once, but not a ton. Definitely not as much as these first 20 issues that I've read a thousand times over or the uh, 31, yeah. 32, 33, which I've read and imprinted on my brain as much as I could. Um uh, and I, here's the thing though, because I think this character was in the digest, he's always felt like a very major Spider-Man villain to me, but I think he's like, not. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. To me, he was one of the original like rogues gallery. I put him up there like with, you know, Craven or something. And, but he's not that like, he doesn't stay in people's memory. He also was in the original sixties, Ralph Bashke cartoon. Yeah. Uh, that, that bumped him up a little I mean, bit. I mean, he mind. fits. Uh, yeah, but he, he's a, he's, he's a, he's kind of dumb. He's, he's kind of just like a strong yeah. dude, right? Um, yeah. I think like a big weakness of these Spider-Man comics I've discovered, re, you know, going them, going over them for this podcast, not a weakness, but like, it's like all the villains just want bags of money and mostly the villains are good at punching. Like, that's not, the, that second one is not totally true, but when, when Steve Ditko's Spider-Man issues are weak, it's the villain just wants a bag of money and all he can do is punch. And I guess that's Scorpion. So Scorpion kind of represents uh, when Ditko gets a little yeah, Scorpion, Molten lame. Man, uh, uh, the guy named Joe, whatever his super super villain name is, they're all just like strong dudes. Yeah, it makes sense because Spidey does best when it's sort of like man to man combat in a street alley. You know, he's not so good against like somebody with a galactic supernatural power. So you sort of need just like an extra tough dude. Yeah, but it's it's a fine line to walk where you can have an interesting tough dude and not like a a mundane. It's also not guy. easy to come up with cool villains, and it's amazing they've come up with this many. Yeah, that's true. There would be that like is absolutely another true. thirty or forty villains in his rogues gallery at this point. Like you wouldn't even know the vulture anymore because he would have been replaced by somebody cooler. But it's like no, just a dude who flies is still up there. Um, I know. Yeah. So, so you were a little bit more down. I on think the issue a lot of that was know? just because those last three issues were 
so tremendously fun. Yeah, this is definitely a step down. Uh, though this. this was an action-packed issue, I'm still reeling from the issue with no action. That like this issue, it just felt like it it never stopped. Right. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, uh, we've this is a long preamble uh, for our listeners. Um, yes. But uh, right away, we've got Stan Lee's uh, fun credits for you to talk about. Well. Yes, so uh, on the splash page, Stanley usually makes a joke in the credits. And this time, there's like a little note here that says, Many readers have asked why Stan's name is always first on the credits. And so Big Hearted Lee agreed to put Stevie's name first this time. How about that? And then it says, Illustrated by Steve Ditko. And then in much bigger letters, written by Stan Lee. And then in small letters, lettered by S. Rosen. Um, And then the caption says, But we have... We still have a feeling that Sneaky Stan put something over on us. Yeah. So I like that he tells us he's going to make a joke, makes the very obvious joke, and then tells us he made the joke. <laughs> yeah. Also, it seems like he wrote those words. He wrote the words. Well, I yeah. think Stan outsmarted us. You are Stan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the narrator is like another person in the room with Stan. But, you know, in, in reality, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko were getting along less and less. I think they were probably pretty solidly not getting along at this yeah, point. Yeah, I got to imagine. I wouldn't be surprised um, if these issues being not as good is somewhat because of them not working as well together. I mean, at some point, and it might even be already, but at some point during this phase of the Spider-Man comics, Stan and Steve stop talking to each other. And Ditko just sends him pages and Lee has has to just kind of like write the dialogue based on what's there. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's happened already. I'm skimming ahead to see and where so, Ditko starts getting plotted credit. Uh, and uh, yeah, th- th- there's like I don't know the details. I'm sure there's people listening who know the de- the details. But it's this thing where Ditko Ditko ends up quitting Marvel pretty soon, and I, I think a lot of it was over like money stuff. Like you know, Spider Man's becoming this huge, huge character, and Ditko doesn't own it. You know, he's being paid just by the page, and I think he wanted ownership of the character. He definitely wanted control. He wanted to be able like to tell the stories he wanted to tell. Yeah, there was also control issues of the of the stories. Um, I, I remember reading some interview where they were they were paying him per page more than anybody in the industry. Um, but it was like he wanted you know a whole different arrangement that that nobody was getting. Yeah, and he um, and which I can totally understand. I mean, he was correct. The money that the Spider Man character was going to generate would be enormous. They built a media empire on this guy. Um, so emotionally, I totally understand Steve Ditko. But you know, and, and regardless of the details, they're fighting. Yeah. They're they're kind of passionate fights about the stories and about money. And yet, Stan always presents Marvel as this very happy family with this kind of jokey tone. And when I was a kid, man, it worked like a charm. Like I always wanted to visit the Marvel bullpen. I just pictured like a bunch of people having a blast. Yeah, everybody working in a room together. Yeah, Steve did go in this cubicle. Jack Kirby in that one. Um, isn't there an episode of The Simpsons where Bart visits the offices of Mad Magazine? Yeah. And he's like so excited to see the usual gang of idiots having a great time. And then the receptionist is like, oh, this is just an office. It's not that dramatic. Yeah. Right. And then the door opens and there's craziness and then, happening behind the door. Yeah. So I had that feeling about the Marvel bullpen. Yeah. I, but I wouldn't be surprised. Because of things like these little. This feels like maybe they've stopped talking as much. It's hard to know for sure. Yeah. If not now, in the next couple issues, for sure. Uh, issue 26 is yeah. where he starts getting plotted credits. And that was clearly okay. something he fought for and Stan gave him. Um, yeah. Deserved, I mean. Deserved, yeah. Um, uh, it, it just, they got much better in the 80s and 90s about sort of properly letting you, the reader, know who was contributing what to stories. Yeah. Um, 
because uh, you know sometimes sometimes the writer is doing everything. Like when Alan Moore writes a comic, he art directs it. He dir- he's very specific. Yeah. I've seen Alan Moore scripts for comics, and he's saying where the images should go. He's talking about all the details, you know, all the like, background stuff. Yeah, like that. And but other people, it's not so much that. It's much more collaborative. Yeah, and it sort of depends on the writer, and it also depends on the artist that they're working with, how close they are, yep. how much they trust the artist. Right. How traditional or non-traditional the artist is. I mean, not is. a lot of comics are done in this manner, the Marvel method, which is what they would call what was done at this time, which is like a plot would be discussed. Then the artist would draw it and even put in some dialogue. And then the writer would come in and put the final dialogue on top of that. Like that doesn't happen almost at all. Like at least right. most writers at least describe on this page, this happens. I think it's four panels with the flexibility for like the artist to change it. Yeah. Uh, and I think some books are still done in closer to a Marvel manner, but not that many. Right. Um, okay, I'm really delaying the action here. Yeah. Let's, let's get into it. So this splash page, Kev, what do we it's think? It's a great splash page. Again, I think I even like it more than the cover, even though I think the cover was good. Me too. Uh, we got bricks flying this is a out cover. to the reader. Uh, as Spider-Man sort of yep. dodges between ricocheting bricks and stonework as the uh, scorpion smashes a chimney with his tail. Uh, the scorpion design, I think, is also not that great. Uh, it always bothered me the tail is a little bit high on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost looks like a tentacle, like a, from Doc Ock. It's just one color with all these like sort of ribbing. Uh, it's sort of a very simple design. I, I don't know if it really looks like a scorpion at all to me. I don't know if it looks like a scorpion, but I like the design. It's simple and it's bold. And I I think one of the reasons I thought the scorpion was a bigger villain than he was is because I think he looks cool. I think in some panels he looks good. Like I think he looks pretty good in the splash page, but there's some panels where he just looks sort of off balance to me. Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great splash page. As almost always, the splash pages are tremendous. Now, as we start the comic, Kevin, we're picking up a cliffhanger from last issue, which is that there is a strange man following Peter Parker around his civilian life. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We don't know who it is. We know they called into somebody to say, like, Peter Parker's home and the lights are out. I'll keep watching him or something. Uh, And we see him now following Spider-Man or Peter Parker. And Peter Parker's uh, spider sense is going off. He realizes that somebody's following him. Peter Parker goes home, sees a guy watching him from outside, is nervous, changes into a Spider-Man costume, and once the guy leaves, Spidey trails him to see what the story yeah. is. Doesn't really learn anything. And he's not able to doesn't learn anything and then he ends up going back home and has to distract this dude so that he can sneak back into his house with his Spider-Man costume on because he doesn't want this guy to know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. This guy's following Peter. He's not following Spider-Man. He's nervous that this guy knows he's Spider-Man. But still to distract him, he makes a spider-webbed bat to throw at him, which I think is super suspicious. (laughs) I don't want him to know I'm Spider-Man. How can I distract him? I know. I'll make a creature out of webbing. (laughs) Uh, But it works. The guy... Turns away when this giant bat flies by his head. Spider-Man leaps in the window, but accidentally makes a noise. So his Aunt May comes to check on him. So he has to throw a robe over his costume so that she can't see that he's Spider-Man. Yeah, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, this guy doesn't see anything that we know of. Peter gets up the next morning and goes to the Bugle. It's Saturday morning because he's going to go visit Betty at the Bugle. And the guy is still sort of tailing him. Meanwhile, J. Jonah Jameson, newspaper publisher and hater of Spider-Man, is going through news clippings. He sees that somebody's using animal mutations in some experimental way. But he doesn't care. What he wants is somebody who can make somebody strong enough to beat Spider-Man. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, He starts putting it together that maybe this mutated animal guy can help him do something to defeat Spider-Man. Meanwhile, we now learn who the guy trailing Peter is. And it's a guy working for J. Jonah Jameson. His name is... Is Mark Gargan, 
or Mac Gargan. Yep. Yeah, uh, Mac. I keep saying Mark, but it's a Mac Gargan. Uh, and he was hired to figure out how Peter Parker gets those amazing photographs. J.J. Jameson wants to know so he can squeeze Peter out of the operation, yeah. probably. Uh, but uh, tells him he doesn't care about that anymore. He's lost interest in Peter Parker. He's got a new plan for Mac Gargan. So this guy telling Peter Parker, that's all over. <laughs> Yeah, that storyline is yep. wrapped up. Peter doesn't know what happened, and we don't need and we don't talk about it yeah, anymore. Yeah, at the very end of the issue, now Peter is, at the end of the issue, Peter will give it a thought, being like, "Never found out who that guy was," and he never will. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Peter is here visiting his sometimes girlfriend Betty Brandt, and she's they're not exclusive because Peter is basically neglectful because he's always running around as Spider-Man. So she's been dating this other guy, Ned Leeds. Yeah, but Ned Leeds is being sent to Europe to cover the disarmament uh, conference. Yeah, so the Daily Bugle, even though the front page every day is something about Spider-Man, they also have reporters in Europe covering like foreign affairs. I guess so they can get their stories on page ten. Yeah. <laughs> like the front page, the front page will be like the Bugle offers money for anybody who can prove that Spidey's electro. Page ten is like Berlin Wall comes nuclear down. Nuclear <laughs> disarmament talks continue. Yeah. <laughs> goes up actually. Goes up. Yes. Yeah. I meant eventually, whenever the Berlin Wall goes down, that's yeah, back yeah. page matter. You cover Vietnam. That's page 20. Page one through three, Spider-Man. <laughs> um, At page one has to be exposition for the latest Spider-Man story, but page 10 is Vietnam. Oh, but Spider-Man does um, see Mac Gargan with Jonah, so he realizes that Jonah was having Mac follow him. He just doesn't know why. Oh, okay. Um, so right okay. here, he does make connect those dots, but he never figures out why. And again, he never will. That never comes up again. He doesn't even seem to care anymore. No. Um, so Peter's talking to Betty. Betty is dating Ned Leeds, but Ned Leeds is going away to Europe. That's good news for Peter. His competition's going to be out of the picture for a little yeah. while. Um, but they invite Peter to go to the airport to see Ned off, which is really weird. Ned doesn't know which Peter Which is a weird move. Yeah. That's a strange move. Yeah. And Ned invites him. It's not like Betty invited him. Yeah. I think Stan is just so out of it as a human being in terms of dating. <laughs> You know, I think Stan got married pretty young. I think he's just like, oh, these kids today, maybe they just invite each other along on their dates. Yeah. When you go to the airport, everyone sees you off, including your girlfriends, other boyfriends. <laughs> um, so Peter's going to have an, another chance with Betty, it looks like. Yeah. Meanwhile, we cut to Jameson is now visiting this scientist he read about, the one who does animal mutations, and he's brought Mac Gargan with him. Yeah. The scientists in Spider-Man, they are incredible. The things this scientist is doing is amazing. This guy's lab reminds me a little bit of a Doctor Strange uh, issue. Lots of like curves um, and like twisty uh, tubes and stuff. It looks almost like a Doctor Strange uh, dimension. Yeah, beakers with smoke coming out of it. It looks like a Craven drink. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a fish that breathes air and a rat that breathes water to show uh, what he's up to. But he's out of money because these things aren't enough to convince anybody to give him money. Yeah. Everyone's like, you can make a fish breathe there. Who cares? Who cares, pal? Oh, a rat swimming around in water? Not interested. Yeah. We have no use for that in the military. What do we want? A bunch of rats swimming in the ocean? You think that's going to help us in Nam? Um, uh, so Jonah offers him $10,000 to make Matt Gargan into some sort of Spider-Man <laughs> killing machine. <laughs> It's such a crazy play. I mean, he thought of this today. Yeah, he thought of this this morning. He's doing this this afternoon. I will say, I don't love this turn. I don't like Jonah when he's full on villain. Uh, I this like him when he issue. is poisoning the world against Spider-Man. But I don't love when he like when he met Craven. He told Craven, "Don't do anything illegal when you're hunting Spider-Man." Yeah, and now he is doing something very illegal. He's putting a man's life in danger to mutate him 
to give him superpowers to beat Spider-Man. To basically uh, kill yeah, Spider-Man. And to kill Spider-Man and also he's putting this guy's life at risk. Although I guess if you're in the Marvel universe, you've seen all these people head into radiation baths and come out with superpowers, you might be less scared of it. But yeah, jo- Jameson is just like a straight up bad guy here. Yeah, uh, uh, and, the, and the scientist is nervous. He's, he's dangerous. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Luckily, Matt Gargan says, that's okay, Doc. I'm willing to chance it. <laughs> yeah, he's just he just gulps down this serum yeah. saying, who cares? I'm getting $10,000 also for my part in this. I'll do anything for that kind of dough. Yeah, that's his response to, I don't know how this will affect your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how this will affect your brain. I'll do anything for $10,000. No, you won't. You wouldn't kill yourself for ten thousand dollars. This, you know, this. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded again that before Spider-Man, Lee and Ditko were doing Amazing Fantasy, which was like you know sci-fi stories every month. Yeah, and they would do like four of them in an issue or something. So the things would happen incredibly fast in those things, just just to make the story happen. Yeah, this guy can't argue. They, this guy's got to turn into Scorpion, or we don't get to the action. So he drinks a po- so the on page seven it basically happens. He's hooked up to some huge Tesla like coils. Energy is shot through him, and it just instantly works. He's given the strength of a scorpion, the proportional yep. strength of a scorpion, and they build an artificial tail, which all by itself is a terrific device that I think this guy could get money for. Yeah, the artificial tail works just by mental control. It's not like he has to like use a joystick. This is 1965. Like, you could make artificial limbs. Yeah, if you could make a tail that just operates through a couple of electrodes in your back. Like, I think this scientist has a self-esteem problem. The real story of this issue is this scientist needs to believe in himself. Yeah, uh, somebody talked him down at some point. Now he won't even offer it. I mean, his story's not getting published in the Bugle, I guess. (laughs) He can't get his news out there. He's got a fish breathing air on a tree, and he can't get a photo in a newspaper? He was excited Jonah was coming to do a story on him, and Jonah just gave him ten thousand dollars to to mutate somebody instead. No story, no story. <laughs> so anyway, it works. Matt Gargan is the Scorpion. He got a costume yeah. for him. He got an artificial tail. He's incredibly strong already. The tail is also like very strong. Yeah, the tail's very strong. Uh, and Peter's at the airport with Betty, watching Ned fly off, uh, not knowing his uh, uh, life is in danger. Yes. So now Ned Leeds is officially out of the picture. Um, we'll we'll come back to that later. Peter changes into Spider-Man and... Um, and he wants to figure out why Jonah had hired Matt Gargan to tail him. But he goes that's to Jameson's office. Yes, that's why he's going to Jameson's office. And he goes there and Jameson is being weirdly friendly and invites Spider-Man in to have a seat. Yeah, and Spider-Man wisely uh, is suspicious and swings away. Uh, I know better than to trust you. Yeah. If you want me to stay, it probably means you got some sort of trap laid for me. See you around, chuckles. And as soon as he leaves, the scorpion pounces. The scorpion was was going there to def- to fight Spider-Man, and he's arrived, and now we have our big fight. Yeah, and this fight lasts like the rest of the issue. This is one long fight. Yeah. So the scorpion starts laying into Spider-Man, and he is very strong, and he can. he's also got pinching power, it's revealed. So he's able, when Spidey webs him up, he can like snap out of those that webbing. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. His fingers are sharp like pinchers. I don't think that's a power he exhibits much more beyond maybe a few more issues, but th- I don't remember seeing this in any more recent issues, him able to cut things with his fingers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is just a big, long fight. Um, it goes on for a while because there's like a twist, which is the scientist now has done some more calculations 
and has realized that that Mac Gargan's going to turn completely demented and evil because of the formula. Yeah, look at the top of page 11, those three panels. Doesn't that yeah. feel like a Doctor Strange issue right there? Absolutely. Absolutely looks like a Doctor all Strange. The, all those tubes and stuff just feels like we're in another dimension. And he's got a little Doctor Strange mustache going on, which helps. Yeah, you get real, real strange-esque at the top of page 11. Uh, but the um, scientist makes an antidote to remove the powers from the scorpion. There's such compressed time in Marvel Comics. It's like, dude, you couldn't have done... It took you half an hour to figure this out. You couldn't have done that before you poured the serum into a complete stranger? <laughs> this all is one day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, but now he develops an antidote and now he's like, okay, I screwed up. I got to turn this guy back human. And he is coming to the fight to try to stop Scorpion. Meanwhile, Spidey and Scorpion are still going at it pretty hard. And Spider-Man is knocked out. He's tossed into a, a classic New York water tower. He's unconscious. Yep. And the Scorpion uh, is ecstatic and decides to start robbing people. He's like, I'm all powerful. And that means one thing, bags of money. And he goes right to an armored car and rips the roof off. And he takes an attache case full of money. Yeah, there's nobody in the armored car, but he sees the guards coming out with a bag full of gems. Uh, I don't know why the high school kids aren't watching this gem transfer, but they're not there. Yeah, historically, Peter Parker's friends are right on top of all crime news. Yeah, they they know this is happening. They're bummed to miss out on it. Uh, But the scorpion knocks out some guards, steals the, uh, the gems from the bag of gems. Uh, and Jonah Jameson is freaking out now because he's like, oh, I wasn't thinking I've now created a supervillain. Yeah, Jameson feels bad. Uh, the scientist catches up to the scorpion. He's got the antidote and he thinks that Matt Gargan would love to take the antidote when because the scientist is like, you're going to lose all sense of right and wrong. You have to turn back now. Yeah. Uh, scorpion says, well, 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 you don't say I've got news for you. <laughs> uh, I got news for you still. Well, you're too late. I never want to change back again. And I do know the difference between right and wrong. Whatever the scorpion does is right. <laughs> um, so that's so he, uh, and Stanley. Yeah. Um, so the, the scorpion, scorpion starts climbing the building. Yeah. And this dude starts climbing up after him. He's very devoted to trying to right his wrong. Yeah. Um, and he, but he falls to his death. And as he's yeah. falling, he throws the serum at Scorpion. Th- I guess if he just makes contact with him, it'll work. Or he hopes it will at least. Um, but yeah, he misses. So that antidote has nothing to, to do with the story and the science. It just kills the scientist. So he's not around to help Spider-Man. Yeah, he's gone. And Spider-Man swings over him and sees him and just goes, too late to help that poor fella. But back to the fight. Yeah. Um, and so he and the Scorpion continue fighting. We have a nice little sequence at the top of uh, 15 where there's a close-up of Scorpion's face as the as captions tell us that he is indeed turning now to total evil. Yeah, now... Even if there was an antidote, at this point, it's too late, according to the narrator. So this guy's a scorpion forever. Jameson's in his office, overcome with guilt, because he realizes he's created a monster. Yeah. Um, Nobody knows it's his fault, um, but he realizes that uh, he said, In doing so, I've unleashed a far worse menace upon the world, a menace I can no longer control, a menace which no one can control. Uh, Back to And he's right. He's right, yeah. He screwed up. He, he definitely messed up. It, it was something he decided this morning and it happened this afternoon and he really should have just sat on it for a day. Um, and this sort of is an allegory for gun control. It's just like you shouldn't be able to get your superpowered villains same day. There should be a waiting period before you mutate a human being. Yeah, it should be at least a week so you can think about it, make sure you're doing the right thing. So Scorpion, you have the right person that you're mutating. Yep, think about it. Background check. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a guy who will just do anything for $10,000, maybe that's not the dude that should be turned into a scorpion. <laughs> yeah, that guy's heart might not be in the right place. 
Uh, huh. This guy is smashing apart chimneys like on the, the cover. Like we have a, a panel that is sort of a, a low res version of the splash page. Yep. Um, Scorpion's handling Spider-Man pretty well. And then he has a thought. If he kills J. Jonah Jameson, nobody will know his real identity. And so, because the scientist is dead. So he turns away from Spider-Man and heads up into the Bugle office to kill Jameson. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he cares if anyone knows who he is, but that's clearly a problem for him. Maybe. So yeah, he's gone to kill Jameson. Uh, and then Spider-Man hears a scream for help and it's Betty Brandt. Yep. So now he's extra motivated and he goes racing up or swinging up to the bugle office and he interrupts Scorpion about to kill Jameson and and basically saves Jameson's life. Yeah, I mean, he does that a lot. Saving Jameson's life. He saves maybe more than he saves Betty Brandt. Yep. Um, now Spider-Man's newly determined. He's had a couple yeah. minutes to think about what he's facing here. Uh, Betty Brandt is in danger, so he becomes extra crafty. Yeah, first he like like spools out this like liquid webbing onto his feet to sort of make this guy stop being able to move around. So he's sort of planted in the ground in a pool of uh, sticky webbing. Then he grabs the tail and he rips the tail off the guy's back. Yeah, it's just a mechanical thing. So he just tears that part off. Now he doesn't have a strong tail anymore. Still has his pincher hands. (laughs) Right. Scorpion does grab Spider-Man and start to make a lunge at him. And he is uh, incredibly strong. But Spidey can dodge him now that the Scorpion can't like move around. Yeah, Spidey just sort of like uses his spider sense to make sure this guy doesn't land a punch. He, you know, he says, this time I'm not playing it your way. Instead of slugging it out with you, I'll use my spider sense to easily dodge your blows like this. Uh, and then Spidey just starts landing tons of punches on the scorpion. The scorpion can't land anything and Spidey knocks him out. Yeah, uh, uh, just punches him out cold and climbs out the window and leaves. Uh, but he uh, realizes... Uh, after he leaves, that he's basically beaten to a pulp. His face is bruised, scratched up. Like he looks like he's been in a fight. Peter Parker does. Yeah, for the for maybe the first time. Yeah, I've ever. never seen him this beaten up. And he has to go right to high school. So he shows up to high school. He doesn't have to go to high school. He doesn't go to high school. He just runs into oh, them okay. on the street. Um, he puts on his civilian clothes, which he rumples up first to kind of match how beaten up his body is. Um, and then he just runs into all of his high school friends in a clump. Yeah. They all laugh at him for being hurt. Yep. Typical high school. <laughs> this guy looks like he was beaten up and they just laugh at him. Yeah. What happened? Useless. Did some infant in a carriage beat you up for trying to take its lollipop away? Yeah. And uh, Spider-Man, want, uh, Peter Parker wants to fight Flash Thompson, but Flash Thompson refuses. Maybe because last time they fought, Peter knocked him out of a boxing ring. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he declines the fight. And so that doesn't happen. So Peter just goes home and Aunt May, uh, is completely stressed out at how beaten up Peter looks. Yeah. She's worried about it. He know she, she wants to remind Peter how fragile he is. And she puts on some, uh, I guess some Bactine or something to clean the wounds. Uh, you know, takes really good care of him. Actually he puts in a couple bandages. He looks better by the end of this page. Yep. Um, Peter calls up Betty and, uh, Betty thinks that Jameson saved her, which he kind of did. He shoved her out of the office, and Jameson was willing to take the heat. He, you know, he was kind of like, getting- well, in the moment, Jameson said the reason he knocked Betty out of the office was so that she didn't hear that he's heroic. He thinks to himself, heroic. I just don't want anyone to hear him if he's going to say something that'll connect me to him. Oh, okay. He's completely unheroic in this. That's issue. right. You're right. I'll take that back. And he takes total credit in his own newspaper that the scorpions caught. Yep. He's a jerk. He's a jerk. Um, yep. And Spider-Man stays home to fix his costume, which got ripped up in the fight. So he's at home sewing. At the end I of always love when Peter is sewing his own costume. It's so awesomely humbling looking. Yeah. 
I mean, Batman has Alfred to patch up his wounds. He has his Aunt May. <laughs> These superheroes always uh, have And then he has to go up into his, like, yeah. elderly people patching yeah, up their yeah, wounds. Yeah. He's like somebody old, like 80 years old, tending to our superheroes. Uh, and that's how the story ends. Um, him just sort of fixing up his costume. He thinks to himself, I never did find out who that fellow was who was tailing me or what his connection with Jameson could be, but I'll worry about that some other time. He won't. won't. That's never never going to come up again. again. All right. And that's our issue. Yeah. So that's the issue. It's a big fight. Uh, there's some good moments in it. There's some bad yep. moments in it. All right. Let's do our awards. Great. So uh, what's your panel of the issue? Okay. I got a weird one for you. Okay. There's probably, I know there's better panels in terms of action and drawings and stuff, but my favorite panel is page 15, panel five. And it's a picture of Jameson stricken with the realization that he has created an unstoppable monster. Yeah. I guess it's guilt or just horror, but it's kind of a really emotional panel. And I, I, I love it when Ditko does that. I think he's good at it. And I just think it's a nice stricken expression. So yeah. that's my pick. I think it's back to his uh, amazing fantasy days. It looks like this person seeing something hor- horrific. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's great. That panel for sure stood out to me when I was reading. I also picked a strange yeah. one on the last page, page 20, uh, panel mm-hmm. two, Aunt May tending to Peter's wounds. Oh, uh, yeah. Peter's face, it looks great here. He's sort of wincing from the pain. Uh, and yeah, he's yeah. sort of leaning over him. It's I don't know. There's something about it that's just very real and great and sweet all at the same time. Yeah. I, yeah, that is that is an interesting moment. I, I love that. Um, what's your Stanley dialogue? Um, it's uh, I guess it's really two lines in a row. Um, it's page eight when Ned Leeds is leaving, flying off in the airport. And um, yeah. Betty has just made the comment that he'll be gone for six months. And Peter says, oh, that's too bad. But then thinks to himself, hooray. Yeah, <laughs> Something about that, reading those two in a sequence is very funny to me. Hooray. Thinking in your in your mind going, hooray, is such a weird way to think. Uh, and it made me laugh when I was reading it. So that's my dialogue, even though it's one word. Um Mine is page seven, panel two, when Mac is being transformed into the scorpion, he thinks to himself, I feel like a living dynamo. I've become all muscle. I can lick anybody. And I'm picking that because I remember as a kid being like, what's a dynamo? (laughs) And like, I had to like, look it up, you know, that it's like this huge engine or whatever. And I always liked it when comics taught me words. You're a good person for looking up that word. I would have been like, what's a dynamo? Moving on. (laughs) That's right. I'm a good person. You're a bad person. Uh, yeah. What's your What's your highlight? Uh, I guess my highlight is uh, don't know. Uh, it feels like just like one big sequence. Um, I think it's the end. I mean, I picked that as my panel, but I think it's just Aunt May sort of taking care of the sort of injured Peter. I don't think we've okay. seen that before, and I sort of really like it. My highlight might be your low light, but I like how villainous Jameson is in this issue because it's it's something a little different. Like he's sinking to a new low here, and that's something that we haven't seen before. And so that was interesting to me. It's like, oh man, you're really you're really like evil in this issue. Yeah, you're correct. That is my low light. I don't like that side of Jonah. I like Jonah being petty and manipulative, and you know, using the media as a weapon. It's sort of a villain that you can't stop. Like this is a villain who should go to jail. Yeah, he should. Uh, in a few issues, at some point in the next uh, five or six issues, he's 
he gets he starts building the spider slayers with Smythe, right? Yeah. He builds like that robot thing. That's also crazy. It's just I don't love the and he does it a handful of times where it's just like he funds supervillains. There's like a, a whole team of supervillains that would not exist if not for J. Jonah Jameson. I don't love that side of him. I don't like a Jonah who pushes Betty out not to save her, but to protect himself. I like the Jonah who is a good man with one glaring weakness. And some issues support that and some issues like this one do not. My so my highlight is your low light. My low light is I'll just say that Scorpion's a little boring. Like he's just a punching machine. We, we, there's a high standard set for the villains in this series, so maybe that's a little unfair. But yeah, relative to the Spider-Man series, I think that's a low light. Yeah, there's not much to him. He comes back uh, even before Ditko leaves, so we'll see him again. Uh, but it's not exciting. You don't get it. Not it's not like when Doc Ock came back or even the Vulture came back. And you kind of want to see how they're going to heighten from where they began. It's like the uh, Scorpion just is going to do it again. Yeah. The Scorpion's um, biggest hook, I think, in these early issues is his connection to Jonah, actually. Right. The, every time he comes back, I think Jonah's a little guilty. Yeah, that makes him different. That makes him different than the other villains. Yeah. Um, okay, those are our awards. Yeah, congratulations, Issue. Congratulations, Issue. You won some awards. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we got some mail I can go through. Let's do it. Uh, here's a question. I guess this is for me more than for you. All right. I don't know if you'll have an answer for this. Probably. Uh, uh, Noel Tate, who uh, uh, talks about us on Twitter, uh, listens to our podcast every Wednesday. Thank you, Noel. Um, asks, what's my favorite or what's our favorite Spidey spinoff character? And what he means by that is like a Spidey derivative character, like another Spidey, a spider powered character, uh, of which there are a bunch now. Uh, there's, of course, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. I think you would consider him a derivative character. Uh, there's also Spider-Gwen, who is an alternate reality Gwen Stacy, where she became Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker. Uh, there is there's uh, Silk, who is a character who also had spider powers, was bit by that same spider that Peter Parker was, but then was locked up in a bunker for like 18 years. Jesus. Uh, or not 18 years, I guess more like seven or eight years, like basically till present day from whenever he was, whenever he was bitten till now. Crazy. And if Spider-Man's like 25, that's like seven years. So she was in like a bunker for seven years. She basically has the same powers. There's Spider-Woman, uh, which is uh, Jessica Drew, who has similar powers. Um, there is uh, uh, the Scarlet Spider. There's two of them. <laughs> They're clones of Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, and there's other ones. There's a bunch of Spider-Girls as well. And Spider-Ham, I guess you might even consider uh, a Spider-Man derivative character. That's, so there's a ton job. of these characters. You're Spider-Ham? Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Ham is uh, from a, uh, I guess it originally was a one-off, but then it became a series where it's just the Spider-Man universe, but everyone is animals. Yeah, he's Peter Porker. This <laughs> is identity. And he becomes Spider-Ham. Okay. We've talked too long uh, about Spider-Ham. Who's your pick for the real character? Um, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I sort of weirdly don't love the derivative characters for this reason. I think them having the same powers as Spider-Man and them just being like another Spider-Man character devalues sometimes what's cool about them. Like the Gwen Stacy character is actually a very cool character. Spider Gwen. Uh, uh, she's called Spider Woman in the comic. Uh, but, uh, cause she's sort of like a, she's in like a rock and roll band. She's sort of popular. Her dad's a police commissioner and she gets these spider powers. And like, I'm like, Oh, there's a lot of cool aspects of her. But at the end of the day, She's not going to overcome Spider-Man like her Spider-Man trappings. If she had other powers and wasn't Gwen Stacy, that might be a character I'd be really, really into. Uh, So it's not Spider-Gwen. I'd probably just pick Jessica Drew and mostly because of the recent comic that was done with her uh, where they kind of redesigned her costume and played her up more as a 
almost like a private detective with these spider powers. It was a really great series um, with amazing art. I really strongly recommend it. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess I'd go Jessica Drew's Spider-Woman. Fun, fun question. Um, as my favorite derivative character. Yeah. Fun question. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, Oliver Villar sent us a letter. Okay. Oh, he talks about Untold Tales of Spider-Man, which we've mentioned before. Untold Tales of Spider-Man was by Kurt Busiek, and it was stories that took place in between these original Spider-Man right. issues. And he talks about that during the uh, last month's issue, or last few months' issues, this arc where Spider-Man sort of stopped being Spider-Man for a little bit. Uh, there's a few issues of Untold Tales that sort of take place during that mm. era, uh, where he is like trying to avoid being Spider-Man. And in that run, there's a moment where Flash kind of corners him uh, and asks how his aunt is doing. Oh, interesting. And it, it, I think it shows just sort of how modern comic writing, just like, we need to give this guy a little bit of nuance. He's so mean and cruel. Giving him a moment going like, is your Aunt May okay? Yeah. Uh, and Peter tears into him. Oh, really? Uh, basically, like, just calls him a phony for even asking, gets real mad at him for yeah. acting like he cares. Interesting. Uh, uh, and uh, I think that's like a cool moment. It sort of weirdly justifies why Flash isn't nice to him more. Um it's like a very hip, smart move by Kurt Busiek. Uh, he also mentions that, and I didn't realize this, I knew this happened at some point, that last issue, Spidey Strikes Back, issue 19, was the last appearance by the Sandman for a long time. Uh, Sandman doesn't show up, uh, doesn't come back to an amazing Spider-Man, he says until issue 154. I'm not going to look check into that. I'm going to believe yeah. this guy. Um, because he becomes a Fantastic Four villain oh, for a long time. He joins like the Frightful Four and mostly fights Fantastic Four for a long stretch. He's a good pairing for the Fantastic Four because he, he can kind of fight all of them. Yeah, he is very powerful and that's a good match. And he's a cool character. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that he went away from Spider-Man, but now he's but even back visually, firmly he in Spider-Man. Sort of he yeah. can sort of be stretchy like Mr. Fantastic. He can solidify into a rock-like thing. He yep. can vanish by dissipating like the Invisible Woman. There's not really a flame parallel, except that he can no. douse the Human Torch or whatever. Yeah, he's a, he's a good balance. He's actually a great villain for the Torch alone. Yeah. Uh, Sam Russell emails to talk about uh, the Parker's address. Okay, um, and how it it's a real address in Forest Hills, and that at least for a while, a family was living there with the last name of Parker. Oh yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm not going to say the address here because I don't think people who live there probably want people stopping by. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for a while, there were Parkers living in Peter Parker's real address, which is fun. Like it was clearly just an address they made up, but that yeah. Parkers would end up there is very, very fun. Love it. Uh, two more quick ones. Okay. Why this uh, uh, <laughs> emails me. I don't know his real name other than Henry. Okay. Uh, he might have a last name, but he did not sign it with such. Loves our show. Uh, he never really got into old comics before because he grew up during the ultimate Marvel comics era. Uh -huh. uh, but he's really enjoying going back and reading these. Uh, and he thinks we talked about this in a past episode where we found it weird that Peter always shows up to ask Jonah if he should take these amazing photos. Like he'll show up and ask Jonah, yeah. hey, do you want me to go take photos of the enforcers that I just saw? Right, right. Jonah's like, I don't have time to answer this question. Of course, <laughs> yeah. go take those photos. He says maybe Peter Parker setting up an alibi so that if uh, it's explained why Peter would be have gotten these photos that no, he would have otherwise no reason to know about. Send this guy in. That no he went prize. looking for it. Yeah, I think he earns a no prize for that. Yeah, that's a great explanation. Um, so that's what that is. Uh, and finally, one more. We've got more emails than this even, but um, read one more from Rob Schultz. We just got this today. Um, and Rob Schultz has emailed us before. We've given him a no prize. 
before. Oh, okay. oh Schulte. He's telling me how to pronounce his name. Rob Schulte. Okay. Uh, so we gave him a no prize before. He asks if we read the Just Imagine series. Do you, have you heard about these? Mm. For a little while in the 2000s, Stanley wrote some DC comics uh, called Just Imagine, where Stanley took DC characters and reimagined them as if he had created okay. them. Okay. I know. I, I so be like, just imagine yeah. Stan Lee wrote Spy, uh, Superman. Okay, no, I, I never even heard about it. Uh, I heard of them. I did not read them when they were coming out uh, because even then it was sort of like you know, two thousands Stan Lee is not nineteen sixties Stan Lee, right? Uh, and it felt like such a weird money grab to be like, we got Stan Lee writing for us. Yeah, um, maybe they're fun. I don't know. I didn't read them. Now this email makes me wish I had. Does does Rob? Uh, say I bet they're very hokey. He says he remembers the Green Lantern story standing out, but I'm sure they were all ridiculous. <laughs> and I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Stan to surprise us, though, and do something really cool somewhere, you know, like five, five hokey ones and then one that's like, you know what? This is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I bet there's some good stuff in there for sure. Stanley is not an idiot, sure. but also he is a, a man of uh, a different era for yeah. sure at that yeah. time. Uh, it also, I think, was a thing where Stanley. He was under contract some way with Marvel where he couldn't write for anybody else for a long, long time. And then I think he got out of that. And I don't know the full details of this. I think this is the beginning of him getting like bilked by everybody. But like Marvel like paid him some money to like and he lost some percentage ownership of whatever he had of Marvel. He could write for other comics. He could start his own companies again. He could really fully own those characters. And it was all, I think, encouraged by people who then took all his money. Stanley Media, I think, was around this time. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Stanley Media would like then sue for the rights to Spider-Man and Captain America and all these characters that right that they they definitely did not have the rights to, but they argued they did because they owned the rights to Stan Lee or something. It was really awful. That's sad. I don't know the details other than it's sad. And if you've read any articles about Stan Lee, it's still lots of sad stuff is probably happening with him. Uh, it's, you know, terrible. Um, I, I hate hearing that. I mean, like uh, the, the guys who made these characters, they, they deserve the success. And Stan Lee is one of those guys. Yep. Stan and Steve and Jack and even like guys like Don Heck and... Uh, um, uh, uh, I'm blanking at some of the other original oh, creators. I think they all. Larry Lieber, were amazing. Stan's brother. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much credit Lieber deserves, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, I think he did work, but I don't know how much he created. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's a bunch of our emails. Again, if you want to email us, you can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter and Instagram account, both called screwitspidey. On the Instagram account, we post lots of images from the issues we discuss. So uh, I'll be posting uh, images from this issue we just talked about. Yeah, check it out. We love that Instagram account. And um, yeah, send us some, send us some, uh, send us your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about Spider-Man. Yeah, um, I think that's all we got today, Will. All right. Uh, well, I'm excited, Kevin. We're into the 20s now. We're we're moving along here. Yeah, we're past our digest. These are the we're past the ones that you and I know very, backwards very well. and forwards. Yeah. So we're, um, we're going to be learning stuff going forward. Yeah, this will be a fun little stretch. And we're getting close to, uh, you know, the 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 climax of the entire run. Yeah. Uh, 31, 32, 33. That's that's starting to get real close. That's right. I uh, can't wait. Uh, all right, everybody. So uh, please join us next episode. Next issue is The Beetle. Yeah. Uh, see you guys then. Bye. Bye, everyone. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Campfire.